Good morning. It's good to see everyone. Uh, thank you for coming this morning. It's a beautiful day. It's a good day to have next again. Uh, Jason, as you can, can see, is out this week. He's preaching for someone in Texas. We're excited about that, so we'll pray in just a minute. And when we do, if, if, you, could, if you could remember him in your prayer, he would appreciate that. Um, as always, I want to give honor to him for what, what he does here, what he has done here for however long it's been now, three, four years maybe. Uh, Jason does a good job. He does a great job, as a matter of fact. He's, as you know, he's a gifted communicator. He's a good teacher. He's a spiritual man. And uh, as you know, I've, I've known him for a long time. And I would say that this is probably not the end of Jason's destiny, so to speak, his, his calling is going to bring him past teaching next at Grace one day, so you probably ought to enjoy it while you have him, because one day you're going to not have him anymore, although I don't know anything that you don't know, okay? I'm not, this, this is not about that. I'm just, I'm just saying, as they say. Let's pray uh, real quickly, and then we'll, we'll get into my thought this morning. Remember, um, let's all pray, and let's pray for Jason as well. Lord, we thank you for this day. You are a good, good father, Lord. And we just want your presence here today in Central, and we want you to be with our regular speaker, Jason, as he preaches um, where he is. I pray that the spirit would fall, that the seed would find its place, and that your work would be done by your spirit, Lord. We thank you, God. I pray that you, you quiet my flesh, Lord, and quiet our flesh, Lord, but embolden our spirit and let us come before the throne with boldness this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you a little, uh, a little bit of origin for what I'm going to talk about today. As, as you all know, Jason, for the last few years, has, has kind of themed the year and um, set off in a direction each year, and, and this year's theme was serve. And um, I'm, I'm going to just be transparent with you today. We just feel like it hasn't met its uh, its mark like we hoped it would. We don't know that the, the, the serve theme has really connected with you guys in the way that some of the other themes have, and that's, that's okay. I'm not fussing at you. I'm just pointing it out, and I may be in trouble when he gets back. He may fuss at me for that. I don't know, but I'll deal with him later because he's not here. Um, I want to approach today's class from a, a little bit different format, and I'm, I'm going to, by the end of the, the uh, lesson today, I'll kind of address what at least my personal feelings are, or what some reasons that I think maybe we just haven't connected as well with serve as we have with some of the others. But the format today will be a little bit differently. I feel different about my purpose than I normally do, and I, I want you to kind of understand that I'm not really teaching today. This, this is not about you sitting and listening to me. Uh, uh, oftentimes in, in the format that we have at Grace Church, it's kind of a monologue where um, a person, a speaker, studies and prepares and works really hard to show you something maybe that you haven't seen before or to bring back to your memory some inspiration that you're uh, missing, or maybe just to teach you something new, but that's not how we're going to do this today, or at least it's not how we're going to 
try. We're going to do something a little bit different. I want you to think of today's effort as, as a walk through the woods. Now, some of y'all don't like a walk through the woods, but I do. And so we're going to do it my way. Uh, I told you I'm not bossy. I'm just the boss. <laughs> um, that's a joke. I'm not the boss. It's a t-shirt I saw the other day. But we're just, we're just going to walk through the woods. And my point about that is, is that, that while I may be at the head of the line, there's nothing that I can teach you all any about that, right? Nancy, you know how to walk. You don't, you don't need me to show you. You all, more or less, Jeremy, you know what the woods are like. There's like trees and grass that's not manicured. There might be a spider here or there. You know, there are some things in the woods. So I can't really teach you anything about that. But I want you to understand that we're just walking through something together. You know what you're doing. You know where you are. But I'm just going to do it first so that maybe the path is clear. Maybe the, some of the risk is taken out of the experience for you. I want you to be comfortable. That's me today. We're just walking together. But for your benefit, uh, I'm in the front. I want each of you to think of a time in your life when you have felt served by someone. I'm not talking about a, 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 a godly moment or a moment when God serves you or something that you interpret that way. I'm not talking about a time when a friend gave you a gift and you appreciated that or, or sent you a letter. I'm, I'm talking about an act of service. Have you ever been served yourself? Have you ever felt like you needed service? You needed to be served. Have you ever felt the need for that? I'm going to set the tone with a reading from the book of John, and this was the only scripture reference that we'll have today. But it's very important. I'll start uh, in chapter 13 and verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into, the, to, into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter. And Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, him, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Verse 9 says, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. 
not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Now remember, I want you to think of something, and I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drag you into the conversation, but I want everyone to think of a time when you felt like you've been served. If I can convince a, a, a few of you to share uh, in a little bit, we'll do that, but I want to give you some, some forewarning so that you'll have time to think of it. But whether you, whether you share that with the group or not today, it's important to me that you think of it and that you can, you can pick that out. For the second consecutive service, I, I'm speaking to a group here at Grace Church, and while the focus is a little bit different, the focus is different uh, than it was on Wednesday night, the person in the middle of the, the scripture reading is the same, and there's some irony in that uh, you might discover later. We're talking about Peter, and on Wednesday night, um, I, I taught in, in a big church about the virtues and benefits of, of giving and helping, and Peter was in the center of that discussion. That was from Acts 3. It was a little later chronologically than, than what we read today. And in, in that reading, Peter was kind of the guy who had it together. He, he, was, he was the person who understood his place. He understood the authority that he had, and he knew how to use it. He knew that he couldn't give what he didn't have, and he executed all of that really well. But in this case, it's, it's different. He hasn't apparently figured all of that out yet because in this case, he needs to be the submitted receiver. He, he, he's the person who's uh, re receiving something from Jesus, and he's kicking against the idea. He, he doesn't like it. That's the basis for, for what I want to talk about this morning. We're talking about being served, as you know. And Peter needed to be served that day when Jesus was washing his feet. But he couldn't, quite, he couldn't quite get it right there in the beginning. He had, Jesus almost had to chastise him a little bit before he would accept it. We've heard uh, countless and, and wonderful and necessary stories and lessons and sermons that prod us toward a life of service. Most of the time when we talk about service uh, in this class through this year or in, in numerous and countless other places, the focus is always about us needing to serve more and better and different. But I want to talk to you from, from the other perspective a little bit today. There's nothing wrong with that. All of that's absolutely important. But again, the thought that I'm asking you to ponder today is whether you have been served. I want you to think about that today as we talk about it in the lesson and in the coming week, have you been served? And if you haven't been served, there's a discussion to be had there. But if you do serve, why? Why do we serve? Why do we spend so much time focused on that idea? I want to start with a story. Um, I have a couple that I can pull from. I'm going to go way back. Nancy and I were talking about this this morning. Not exactly sure the year. I, I think we think it was either the spring of 99 or the spring of 2000. Now, it, it's hard for me to believe that that is almost 20 years ago. I remember my mama filling up the bathtubs with water 
because of Y2K. And it seems like that was yesterday. And here we are, not too terribly far from the year 2020, which when I was a kid, that was like science fiction time. You know, we were going to be zooming around. Yeah, it was, that was a whole different century, you know. That was a long time. But in the spring uh, of 1999 or maybe 2000, it was probably 2000, uh, we were, Nancy and I were pregnant, or she was pregnant. I wasn't, but you know what I mean. She was expecting uh, our first child. And uh, most of you probably don't know this story, but we lost that baby. Cole was not actually our first child. Um, Nancy had an ectopic pregnancy in, in that uh, year, and we lost that baby that spring. So somewhere in, in heaven, there's another little fella or girl running around, maybe that's got our name on her. Maybe I'll meet him or her one day. But it was a difficult time, as, as you can imagine. It wasn't uh, a late-term kind of thing. It was very early, but nevertheless, we were young. It was our first, and it was, it was difficult. In addition to all of that, the, the Easter drama at the first church was going on, and here's the irony. I was playing Peter. I was Peter the Apostle because uh, I was this boisterous person, and they thought, Marlis Young thought that I would fit that hard-headed part well, so she... She put me in there as Peter, and I was doing my job. And when, the, um, when all of this happened with the baby, Nancy had to have a procedure. And I, I feel like an idiot now, but we made the decision together, literally while she was in the hospital having that procedure, that I needed to go and be in the play because there wasn't another Peter. And uh, it would mess things up. We had some speaking, I had speaking parts and whatnot. So I did. I left the hospital, went and did the thing at the church, uh, came right back right afterwards, and everything had gone fine in the procedure. She was out. My mom was there with her, and um, mom left, and we just settled in for a night at the hospital. It was just us. Nobody else was there. In the night, I was sleeping on that, uh, <coughs> never mind, that thing that they call a couch at the Baton Rouge General plastic, very uncomfortable. And I remember this nurse coming in the room, and of course they came in a lot, and they, they, they wake you up every time they come in. And she was trying to wake Nancy up, and, and she was awake, but not coherent. And so the lady was trying to check her vitals, and she couldn't get a blood pressure reading. And then Nancy passed out. So she was panicking, and she pressed some buttons and went out of the room, and I was, you know, I'm not a middle-of-the-night kind of person, okay? I was attempting to figure out whether this was real or not or if, you know, what I needed to do. And this herd of people comes back into the room, doctors and nurses and whatnot, and their first order of business is to make me leave. So up and out of the door I go, and they come in and work on Nancy. And the reason that she couldn't find a blood pressure is because there wasn't any. And the reason there wasn't any is because you can't have blood pressure if there's no blood. She had begun to bleed internally, and they had to go and do an emergency surgery on her. And little old Nancy lost between six and seven pints of blood that night. But everything turned out okay. The, the surgery, exploratory sur surgery, they were able to fix it, and we, we made it through that. And in the next you know, couple of days, we went home to our little house on the island out in Jarrow, Louisiana. And uh, a couple of days after that, 
a friend of ours called who we we knew them but we didn't we weren't terribly close her name's Missy Giot some of you know Missy and uh, they had just started coming to First Church not long before that and Missy said hey is it okay if we come see Nancy absolutely so she came out and to make a long story short Missy put Nancy in the car because she couldn't drive drove her to town they went shopping and she took her out to eat and they just kind of had a girl's day out and and here I am 20 years later and I still feel so fondly about Missy because of that she didn't really know us she lived a long way off but it was in her spirit to, to serve us and I felt like that day that we had had this this Jesus serving moment not so much to me but I felt it by extension through Nancy and as I, I've, I've asked you to think about kind of if you have any any stories like that the reason I want you to think about it is because I want to know how it what it did to you you know how it how it made you feel what it what it caused you to do if there is anything is there anybody who's willing this early come on Jeremy come up here if you don't mind you, you don't have to you don't have to like take the platform but I'm gonna give you the mic because El Cupacabra is gonna hear it and if you just talk at the table he won't hear it I'll just stand here uh, so the first thing that came to mind for me and it's it's really uh, close to my heart and it's on my mind right now because I just came from it uh, so I, I participated in a thing called discovery weekend and um, for me whenever I went on that weekend um, I actually was able to participate as one of the serve team uh, on that weekend as well but there's a part of that weekend where um, you know it's getting intimate with God and it's and it's getting further in your relationship with God and you know in my own life when I got you know more intimate with God I started to realize my faults and my failures and where I fell short a lot of times and it started to bring out a lot of things that uh, made me reflect on who I was inside and I didn't really like that person um, but there was a point in the weekend where uh, they do something that they call love power and Brooke was contacted by the guys that were putting on the weekend and they told her to go to family and friends and to get letters uh, of just affirmation and sharing love and um, you know going through that weekend and feeling like a piece of dirt honestly I felt really low and they do that on purpose it brings you to that point and then you get all those letters from loved ones and friends really affirming who you are and and what they feel about you and in that moment I felt ultimately served like so much love and care from from so many friends and family members uh, so that was for me I think the biggest point in my life where I felt like, wow, you know, people really care about me. People really love me. Um, and 
that was that was my moment. So, thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate that. I hope it didn't scare the rest of you off with this mic. Anybody else? Nancy. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let her talk just a little bit. Come on, baby. Okay, I'm going to retell the story when she's done. Go ahead. She said the podcast. I can't hear it. So, no, I ain't got it. When I was a young person, um, I think Troy and Lisa know, and Dave um, know this lady, um, Jody Walker. I was friends with Erica, and I always get emotional for whatever reason. And... Um, as a new convert in church, she took me in and treated me like a second mother. And she served me in a sense of accepting me and treating me with all the love and respect of her own daughter and always being there for me. And I even lived with them for a short time, but she was just a wonderful woman and she served others and she served me literally she would do anything for anybody and worked very hard and I feel like what it put into my life is that desire and that love to want to serve others and to be like her and to be Christ-like because she was my ultimate example of Christ, which was serving others. Thank you. Thank you. How many of you knew Jody Walker? Raise your hand if, if you ever met Jody in person. Three, four. So for those of you who didn't, um, N Jody is basically Nancy, but, but older. She has very, very similar personalities, and uh, she's... She uh, went on to be with the Lord a couple of years ago after a long battle with cancer, but she was a golden, golden person. And you can hear in Nancy's voice how much she meant to her. <coughs> but she was, I don't want to devalue that, but Jody was like that with almost everybody. She really was. When she met me the first time, the second time it was like we had always known each other. She's just, she's that way. She's just a loving uh, kind her, her husband said in her funeral that she could come in to a room like a wisp of air and that's it was so well said we miss Jody and we love her very much anybody else anybody else okay you want you want the mic come see <laughs> that's true Okay, it's kind of a silly thing, actually. Um, <coughs> this was recently at, um, the setting was Dollar General, um, and it was the week of, um, of Easter. So the kids were out of school, um, and so I had gone to buy whatever I could with, you know, the little money I had. Um, they had a sale, and I didn't realize this when I got there. Um, they had a sale on cereal, so I ended up, racking up on like nine boxes of cereal for less, <laughs> less than 20 bucks. Uh, so I grabbed a couple of other things and you know, I'm in line feeling really proud of myself. Um, 
and I, while I'm in line, I kind of make a joke. Um, there's a couple of people in line that, um, you know, guess what my kids are going to eat this week. <laughs> so uh, my debit card actually had expired um, March 2018. So if y'all remember, the uh, Easter Sunday was April 1st. Um, and so this would have been that Monday. So I swipe my card, and the lady says it's declined, <laughs> which also means all my other cards were declined also. Um, because of the same reason they were all expired. So I'm like, well, I wonder how much cash I have. Well, I look at my wallet, and I actually had just barely enough, but short some. So I start looking through my basket, trying to decide, you know, Lucky Charms or Fruit Loops and which ones the kids are going to prefer. Um, kind of start doing the math in my head to give back some of the things that I couldn't pay for with the cash. And I hear just this voice in the back of the line that says, I got a five if you want it. <laughs> and it, it, I felt really, you know, just, I had a hard time accepting it because I'm that way. But she happily gave me the $5 to buy the cereal for the kids. And it made me think of back when we did the March Kindness, Pastor had talked about giving um, gift cards, McDonald's gift cards to homeless people. Um, and that's actually something I've done for years, not gift cards, but I just have this unspoken rule to myself. If I have cash or have change, it doesn't matter who it is or wh where they are. I, I always pass out my extra change in my car or my extra dollars. If I have a loose two or three, then that's what I give them. And I never wonder, I never think to myself, um, what, what, what they're going to do with the money. That's not my decision. That's not my problem. So I've never questioned that. I just give it to them. And right before that, I had actually given somebody $5, which is a whole lot of money to give to somebody on the side of the road. But I did. And um, it came right back. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Thank you. I want you to hold on to something she said. I'm going to get back to it in just a minute. I'm so glad she said it. She said she, it was hard for her to take it. She didn't want to take that $5. It's hard for her to take it. It's hard for me to uh, think about service, and I, I, I don't have a lot of time, but we, we can't talk about service in this locale without talking about August of 2016. Because um, for those of you who, who lived through uh, what we remember as the Great Flood, uh, you know that it was just something that we had never seen before. I mean, you know, hurricanes are one thing. We've been through some stuff. Uh, Katrina was close to here, and it was a similar event for New Orleans, but here we just never seen anything quite like that. And I want to share a little bit of our story with you. I've never uh, told this story. It's not, I'm not going to be exhaustive because, as I said, uh, Wednesday you'd be exhausted when it was over, but we woke up on, uh, I believe it was Friday morning. That would have been the 12th. To a, it was just pouring down. I mean, I couldn't see the trees in my yard. It was raining so hard. And it rained that hard all day long. And uh, Eli, they, they canceled school that morning, and uh, Eli and I went out and were doing things and helping some people who were flooding in, in that moment. Um, that day on Friday, some the the Munns, the family that bought 
uh, one of our homes, the, the wife had texted me and said, hey, do you happen to have any sandbags? We need sandbags at, at the house, and if, if, you, if you could get us some, that would just be so helpful. So we made a few calls, and ultimately Braden came through with the, the sandbags. I went and got some and brought them uh, to this lady's house, and it was mass chaos. There were lots of people there trying to help, and they couldn't get uh, the sandbags from the road to where the house is because it's pretty far off the road. So I went and got a tractor, and, and long story short, we brought the sandbags, and uh, ultimately, their house didn't flood, but we spent all day fooling with that, and then we, uh, Cole and I, and, and Eli and I, some of us went to uh, Dave and Farrah's house that evening. Some of you were there with the Burger Club. People went and picked up furniture, and we were supposed to go, go eat hamburgers that night, right? Burgersmith, I remember that. Um, that was all quite the waste of time, as you remember, because there's the 18 inches that we picked up, the, the furniture didn't, didn't do any good at all. But uh, then on Saturday morning, the day of what I call the flood, we woke up to a phone call from Farah, who was, uh, she had driven to Memphis the night before, and she said, hey, I'm worried about y'all because on, I'm seeing people on Facebook that live close to you that are evacuating in boats, and I said, well, we're, we're probably fine here. This, uh, this place has never even come close to flooding. So I, I told Nancy, I said, well, I'll go outside and ch look around, see what was happening. And it was Armageddon outside the door. Uh, I got in my truck again just to go see if we could find a way to get out. And Eli was with me, and there was no way out. I needed to really get back to my house and figure out what we were going to do. But I couldn't because people kept stopping me and saying, hey, can, can you help me get my, a policeman stopped me at one point and said, you got to come with me right now and get my family out of my house. So I did, and uh, it, was, it was quite something, man. Well, I had uh, Eli and I and a bunch of strangers in the cab of my truck just piled up in there. And then as we were leaving their house, he said, hey, wait, we got to go next door and get my neighbor. She's elderly. And I said, okay. So we, again, we wade into her driveway, leaving the truck in the water at the road with all these people in it. And she didn't want to come. So long time that went on. Ultimately, she decided she would come with her cats and dogs and children. <laughs> we put them all in the back of my truck because there couldn't, it, I don't know how many people were in my truck that day. But anyway, we got them out. And I went back and got Nancy and the kids and tried to figure out what we were going to do, stay or go. Ultimately, we left. We got back to the place where those boats were coming, and the boats were all gone, and so were the people that I had just dropped off there. So we waited an hour and a half or so in, in, the, in the rising water. Cole found a friend he was playing with. Eli was panicking. He didn't know what we were going to do. He kept asking questions. Ella had no idea what was going on. She's playing with grasshoppers. The fact that the world was underwater didn't bother her at all. <laughs> True story. So ultimately, someone who I know saw me uh, stopped and picked us up. We put the women and children in the boat, in the first boat, took them. They came back and got me, uh, took us to a place where there were some trucks, dropped us off at those trucks. We got in the trucks. They took us a ways to where there was less water, and we started walking. So we walked, uh, I don't know, a quarter of a mile or so, and somebody else saw this family walking, and it wasn't unusual. I mean, it was, they were like ants. There were people everywhere walking along Highway 16, and he said, hey, do you guys need a ride? And I said, well, you know, as a matter of fact, we do. So we all got in his truck. And he brought us a little ways to the next drop-off point. And 
Uh, by that time, I had made arrangements for one of our company trucks to, to be brought to us, so um, we started walking towards that, and another guy said, hey, do you, do you guys need a ride? And I said, you know, as a matter of fact, we do. So we got in his Humvee. He was an Army fella, and he carted us to where we could um, get that pickup truck. And from there, Jason and, and Julia had called and said, hey, y'all just come to our house, and, but we couldn't get to their house. So I called my buddy Gary Perkins, and I said, uh, Gary, where you at? Called Gary Bear. I said, Gary, where you at? And he said, I'm in a boat in Denham rescuing people. He said, do I need to come get you? I said, nope, we're out, but we don't have any place to go. We're going to your house. He said, go to the house. Everything's open. Make yourself at home. And that, meant, that means a lot to me because there's, it, it's not that I, I mind asking for help, but in, in that particular moment, there's the, the only one person in the world that I would have said, hey, I'm going to your house, and I'm going to take a shower in your shower is Gary, because we have that kind of relationship. What's, what's mine is his, and what's his is mine, and we always say, if, hey, if you need it and you can't get me, just go get it. We'll, we'll work out the details later. So I did. We did that, and um, we kind of got settled more or less in his house, and there was one person that I was really worried about, and you folks have heard me talk about uh, my mentor in business, Mr. Thomason. Mr. Thomason had died earlier that year, but his wife lived on the Amy River. And she had called me in the middle of all of that because I told her the day before, hey, if you need help, just call me. I will move the world, and I will come down there and get you out. And she said, okay, I'll be fine. Well, she called, and I couldn't do nothing. There was nothing I could do. I couldn't get us around at the time. So once we finally got to Gary's house, I commandeered one of his vehicles, and I went and found Miss Thomason and her dogs and her cats, <laughs> put her in the car, and uh, some people actually rented a helicopter who, who were in business with her, and they came, Steve was there, came and landed a helicopter in Gary's subdivision, and we put her and got her out of there. So after that, I just felt better. Miss Thomason was taken care of. She's fine. And I remember I was sitting on the back porch of Gary's house, which is quite grand. It's way up high off the ground, and you can see out. It's pouring down rain still. And I was just sitting there thinking about what was going on, and the phone started to, to ring, and it, it, of course it had been ringing, and, and the cell service had gone down, but Gary had Wi-Fi, and we were hooked up by then, and people started texting me. I remember she, Michelle Stokes. She's not here today. I got a text from Michelle that I'll never forget. You know, she's a single mom. She had just bought a house. Hey, Brian, don't know if y'all are okay, but I just got back from Oak Point, and I'm loaded up with groceries. And if you, if you and your family need a place, you come to my house. I said, okay, Michelle, thank you. I appreciate that. We're good. We're, we're settled for the moment. People that knew me in business, equipment salesman, John, a friend of mine, John Hurst, been buying stuff from him for years, called me, hey, Brian, where I, I heard that you flooded. Is that right? Yes, sir. He said, well, look, I got a house in Gulfport. You and Nancy and the kids can go stay there as long as you need. Or if that's too far... Y'all come to Deanna and I's house. We live in, they live in Clinton. Said, you come, come st stay with us. I'm okay, John, thank you. Developers call, people that we work for. It went on and on and on. And I just felt so served that day. I sat on the back porch and cried for a little bit. Not because I was a mess. Look, so many people lost everything 
we lost some stuff that was in our house, but we had resources to, to recoup that. We, we would just start over with that, no big deal. But I was broken because I, w- I felt like I was being served. And I don't know that, you know, I can ever, I wouldn't be able to repay those people. There was another guy the next day. We stayed in Gary's house that night, and Gary said, hey, I'm going to make sure you're comfortable by tomorrow because there was a lot of people in that house, his kids and all, lots of other people. The next day, some guy drove a very nice luxury motorhome from Mobile, Alabama. I had never heard of this man. I would never seen him. Hadn't seen him since. Took him nine hours to get here from Mobile. I don't know how he got here. Backed that thing up in Gary's front, in, back, in his backyard, and said to us, hey, this, this is for you. You stay here until you got a place to stay. I don't even know who he was. We were served that day. I was served that day. Let me get back to the scripture. I've got to hurry. Remember what Peter said. Lord, you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said, you don't know what I'm doing now, but you'll know later. And, and Peter says, no, you, you ain't washing my feet. You're Jesus. You're the master. And, and I'm the servant. I'll wash your feet, but you're not going to wash my feet. And then Jesus makes this prerequisite statement where he says, you don't understand. If I can't wash your feet, then you're not part of me. Sometimes, oftentimes, I think almost all the time, for me, certainly, I've never looked at this story and, and, and looked at it from that perspective. I've always looked at, at Jesus as the example in the story, and he is. Jesus is the example. We should serve, but there's another part of the equation, and it's the Peter part. I don't think that we're too proud to serve here at Grace. I think that you all serve pretty well. But the real question is, can you be served? Are we, proud, are, are we not proud enough to let someone else help us? Have you ever been in the position where you needed help? You needed the $5, Katie. But you didn't want to take it. That's just how Peter felt. No, I, I don't need that. You got this all wrong, Jesus. You, you're messing this up. That's where we are. And, and if, if serve really hasn't connected with us this year, I don't think, Mr. Thomas, it's because we, we're too proud to serve someone. I think it's because we're too proud to have been served. And I think that if, if we'll get that part straight, if we'll understand that, that at times we all, regardless of how strong you are or how much money you have or how long you've had the Holy Ghost, if you'll get to the point that, that says, I understand that I need you, Nate. I, gotta, I need you. I got to let you serve because my need needs to be served, but you need a place to serve. You, you need a person to serve. Then things will start to change for us. I want to serve because I've been served, and I, I know that probably starting to sound like a broken record but there's no there's no other way to to say it that's what makes us serve the right way it's not because we're really smart although you're all very smart and it's not because you have an intimate 
and expansive Bible knowledge, the genuineness behind service doesn't come from knowledge. It comes from experience. It comes from being served and remember, remembering what that was like. That's why Nancy is the way she is today. She's, she is a servant. She really is. She doesn't look for a microphone to, to hold or a place to stand in the light. She just looks for, hey, can I, can I, can I help you? Is there something? Can I put the plates up? You know, y'all need to fold them chairs. I'll fold those chairs. That's the way she is, and there's nothing in her background. There's nothing in her family. There's nothing in her heritage other than the Holy Ghost and that lady that we talked about, Jody Walker. It's the only trace of that you can find in her lineage. But look how strong it's shown up today. It's because she was served that she served. And Peter couldn't learn to serve without being served. Are y'all with me there? Jesus wouldn't let Peter become Peter until he had washed his feet and until he had accepted the service. I'm done. We got to go. Let's pray. I thank you all. Thank you so much for sharing today. I appreciate that. Lord, we love you today. You are such a good God, Lord. And I just pray that you show me in my heart the things that keep me from you. And if, Lord, I'm, I'm too proud to be served sometimes, I'm not vulnerable enough to be served, take that out of me, Lord. I want to get it like Peter got it that's when he said, if, it, if you want to wash my feet, if that's the way it is, then you wash my hands and my head. Lord, you went on to wash the feet of Judas that day. You knew what he was doing, but you did it anyway. Lord, help me to serve, God. Help me to see people in their need and serve them well. We thank you today for your spirit and your guidance in this class. We pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you all for coming.